When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Smitty here. Welcome to another edition of Golick and Smetty. I am Mike Golick Sr. And she is Jessica Smetana, or Smetty as we love to call her. And I really had to say senior this time around because my son Mike Golick Jr. now part of the DraftKings family as well. He's coming out with a daily show as Smetty and I do a weekly show he will be doing a daily show so uh could could be some name confusion in this whole thing Jess yeah Mike and I'm I'm really looking forward to having Junior on the show but now that I'm like aligned with you and I'm your co-host I think that gives me the ability to talk to him the way that you talk to him right like I have seniority over Junior now yes yes and also the first time he asked you to be a guest tell him no Okay, that's a good idea. Tell, or tell him he has to ask me. Or I should charge him. Oh, do that. Oh, yeah, do that the most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a former old lineman. Old linemen all have know where their first dollar came from. So, so that would be good. <laughs> so, yeah, he is now part of the family as well. He and I were actually together uh, in Vegas. The big thing over the weekend was, of course, the NFL draft and uh, we were there with, with Mike's also co-host and producer, Brandon Newman, will be part of Mike's show. They they play football together at Notre Dame, and Brandon has been to Barstool and Fox and different other outlets. And, and Another but, Domer, Mike. I know. Domer's everywhere. There's, they, they, they did stuff together behind the scenes on camera at Notre Dame, and now here they are working together. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing. Trick Shot Monday, is that, is that yes, what they worked yes. on? Wow. That was one of the things they did. Yeah, Trick that Shot Monday. That makes me nostalgic. Yeah, that became, uh, that became national because that's the year they went to the title game. So that, yeah. was, uh, that was a whole lot of fun. Yeah, there is a lot of nostalgia there as well. And uh, so we're at the draft, and it was in Vegas. So, I mean, listen, there's Vegas stories, and then there's the draft. But it seemed, Jess, overall that TV ratings were down. I, I've, I've heard first-day ratings were down the the lowest since it went to a three-day draft and you wonder listen we've had social media for a while we've had the ability to just find out a pick every 10 minutes on your phone so Mm -hmm. was it there there was no there wasn't the sexy quarterback controversy in this draft I think that has to be it I I can't think of another reason because the NFL ratings themselves over the season were really high the Super Bowl ratings of course were, were great this year so yeah, I just think it was a it was an off year. I also heard an interesting thing about this year's draft class, which was because of COVID, um, players had an extra year of eligibility automatically. Yes. So this year was one of the deepest drafts in a long time because there were players that stuck around an extra year. And so on average, players were a lot older in this draft class than years previous. So it wasn't like there wasn't as much of a uh, drop off between like the first rounders and the fifth rounders. But then because of that, like there weren't a ton of big name superstar guys, skill position guys that got people excited to watch. So I think maybe some of those things go hand in hand. There were, they were called super seniors. When I called games this year, that was the term 
that we used, again, with COVID, you just said, she, I said 100% correct. Everybody had an extra year if they wanted it. So every now and then you get a sixth-year senior when they get hurt for a couple of years. There And there were some of those who then added the year. There were I did games where there were some seven-year players. I mean, you should be a freaking doctor, right, if you're in school for seven years. <laughs> I would have <laughs> loved to stay in college for an extra three years. And- Bad. Wow, that would have been nice. Anybody who listens, I say stay in college as long as you can because (laughs) anybody who says college prepares you for the real world is full of shit. It does not. College is your last bastion to have fun before you get to the real world. (laughs) Well, uh, Kenny Pickett, who was the Steelers pick in the first round, was one of those players who was in college for five years, I believe. His first season was in 2017. So he was, he's 23 um, and so he's one of the more quote unquote experienced quarterbacks and, and the only quarterback who was drafted in the first round, um, by my team, my Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike. So a- another example of like something a little different, usually like if a quarterback is in college for five years, it might be a sign that like, they're not very good because they should have probably left after two, like, you know, someone like Trevor Lawrence who played you know, redshirt one year and then left after his, right. actually, no, I'm sorry. He started his freshman year and, and right. won the national championship, but then left after his junior year um, because he was so good. He could leave after the three-year requirement. So that that was, you know, something that was a little bit different this year. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I am excited to see Kenny Pickett stay in the city of Pittsburgh. I'm looking forward to that draft pick. But it's an interesting point that you make because it's kind of like basketball. If you're drafting a guy who's a junior in basketball, the thought is, well, what what is he? Because you could leave after your freshman year in basketball. It has to be three years out of high school for football. So you're right. If a guy stays longer than that, they're not considered one of maybe the superstars. Uh, But Kenny Pickett, as you mentioned, there were – I was uh, bummed that the ratings were down because my side of the ball had the first five picks of the draft. You know, Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Derek Stingley Jr., Ahmad Gardner, and Kayvon Thibodeau, all defensive players, cornerbacks and and edge rushers. And so I loved seeing that side of the ball. But it, it normally does fall around quarterbacks. And I remember even before the draft, we were saying, well, it, it's a quarterback-driven league. They're always overvalued. You'd probably still get three, like Kenny Pickett, like Malik Willis, like um, uh, Matt uh, Corral or Desmond Ritter, but only one, as you mentioned, in the first round. And how cool for Kenny Pickett. For those that don't know, the facility where the Steelers are, on the other side of the, the, the facility is the, the facility where the Pittsburgh the Panthers, the, the, the college team is. I mean, that, the Pittsburgh Panthers, that sounds weird to say. I know because, like, no one watches the Pitt Panthers. Yeah, no one. Yeah. So, but they, <laughs> I say they, this as like a, a Pitt Panther legacy. Yeah. yeah. How, how about God, it? I, I, hate, know. I hate Pitt. I don't claim Pitt. I claim the Steelers. You claim but, the no, Steelers. Mike, I was, I was excited when they drafted him because this is like a thing that the Steelers do. And now every, I was just talking uh, offline with our producer, Drew, about this. Like, every team now does this, like, roll out the red carpet thing for their first round draft picks for social media. And what the Steelers do is they fly the guy in from wherever the draft is or wherever they're, you know, watching the first round, fly them into the pit airport. And then Mike, have you ever been to the Pittsburgh airport? Oh yes. Many times. You know what the two statues are at the Pittsburgh airport? Yes, I do. Well, I know the Immaculate Reception. 
Yeah, yeah, Franco Harris making the catch. And next to Franco Harris is George Washington. It's very oh, Pittsburgh right. because yeah. it's like, oh, our, our Revolutionary War history and Franco Harris, like the two most important people in the city. So there's a Franco Harris immaculate reception statue that they make the first round draft picks take a picture with when they land in Pittsburgh. And so I was like, well, are they going to make Kenny Pickett do all this Pittsburgh stuff when he's lived in Pittsburgh for the last yeah. five years? And sure enough, the next day I wake up to a picture of Kenny Pickett with Franco Harris at the airport. The statue, not the actual Franco Harris. Right. <laughs> um, so I was, I was pretty proud of myself that I called that. But he actually may have got a picture with Franco because Franco made one of the picks uh, later in that draft. Uh, it was, uh, that was pretty cool. But, but how about me? I, I remember the Franco Harris statue, but not the George Washington statue. <laughs> well, one how of them is more is important than the other. Yeah, well, it's, it's the way you look George at Washington. it. That's exactly right. <laughs> but, but look, at, so to your point, he is very experienced quarterback. And now you're competing with a quarterback who really, and I don't think any Pittsburgh, you, you can answer, you're a Steeler fan that thinks Mitch Trubisky is the answer for the Steelers for the next 10 years. So it, this will get really interesting of when, if and when the switch happens this year, because Mitch is trying to revive his career. Again, the Mitch fans say it was Nagy in Chicago you know, Mitch, Mitch non-supporters say he's just not a very good quarterback and Nagy wasn't a very good coach. You can't say a lot about Buffalo because he sat behind Josh Allen, so you couldn't tell anything there. This is kind of his way to show his rebirth, and he's looking to grab a hold of that. But we know how this is going to work. Kenny Pickett is going to be beloved there because he played at Pitt. And when your quarterback isn't really set, the most popular person is the backup quarterback. That's so so Mitch, start, Mitch starts throwing some interceptions, man. They are going to be howling for Kenny Pickett to play. Will you be one of those people howling for Pickett to play? You know what? I'm just, I'm just happy to be here, Mike. I don't care who the quarterback <laughs> is. As long as they can hand the ball off to Najee Harris 30 times a game, I'm, I'm happy. If the defense plays well, it's a good day in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you, uh, if you noticed this, Mike, because you weren't watching the draft on TV, but I need to get your opinion on this Ed Mariano guy. Ed Marinero, yeah. Is yeah. that Marinero? Like, yeah. I, I'm more of a Putinesca person, but yeah. Marinero, fine. So he was announcing the Vikings yes. pick and talked for so long that yeah. a producer came on stage and was like, hey, read what the card Make says. the pick, yeah. So if that were you, how long do you think you could get away with talking? Do you think it, over or under Ed Marinero? I wonder how, how long I, I never timed it because I did that pick last year. I did the second round pick for the Eagles and I would have never thought, I mean, I made some reference to Cleveland because I was born and raised in Cleveland. Right. So I think I maybe made a reference and did something for maybe 10 seconds. I just, I couldn't fathom doing that. I mean, it's not my moment. It's the <laughs> moment of the guy's name I'm reading on the card, but but some of these guys, I take advantage of that time. Uh, I don't know how. Do we ever find out how long he spoke? But I mean, to no. Speak but long, I, I really do feel like there are certain people, and I think you might be one of them that could get away with it. That could keep talking until they finish, and no one, no one's gonna go interrupt Mike Golick or I don't name another like beloved former NFL player. I don't think like I think he was the wrong guy to do it. I think people can get away with it. It's just not him. That was amazing, though. And, and, and then he kind of looked at her like, oh, you know, I'm getting run off the stage. <laughs> like, dude, look what you just did. I mean, th th how many years has this guy probably seen the draft? You know how it works. 
You're not supposed to go up there and hold a command performance and have the Oscar <laughs> music playing in the background. The like, shut the music. hell up. Yeah, that was that was wild. No doubt about it. I would love it. for someone to go up next year and try to beat that, though. Like, filibuster as long as you can until you, you know who could the do it? biggest scene. You know who could do it? I, I would say one of the most respected and greatest players and most respected players I've ever seen, and I worked with him for a while at ESPN, he could do it. Anthony Munoz. Anthony okay. Munoz, the, the great the great lineman from the Cincinnati Bengals, he would be able that. to do it. I, I mean, because this guy, I mean, he's like the old E.F. Hutton commercial, which you wouldn't understand. I don't understand any yeah. of these references. When the commercial was, when E.F. Hutton speaks, <laughs> everybody listens, basically. That's Moon. When, when Moon talks, you just listen. And plus, everybody holds him in such high regard, I think they would be afraid to go out and say, hey, wrap this thing up. So is that, e. that's a name Hutton I would like say. A, is that like a telegram machine? Like, what is that? E.F. and Hutton product? was like a money, I think it was a financial place, I ah, think, okay. if I remember correctly. Like, I don't even know. I'm R&B, probably getting that wrong. H&R Block or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, something, something I almost along said R and B block. Yeah. <laughs> H and R block. It's rhythm and blues block. Yeah, there you go. But really, I mean, it wasn't the draft as far because I still thought with the quarterbacks being overvalued the way they are that it wouldn't go the way it did. But I mean, the next quarter, what, what, what the next quarterback taken? Third you know, round, right? Was Malik, the third Malik round? Um, yeah, it was Malik Willis went to Tennessee. And then a few picks later, it was Matt Corral that went to the Carolina Panthers. And then it was in the, uh, uh, what was the, the fourth round? Or, no, Desmond Ritter went. I'm missing Desmond Ritter. Um, he, he, went, uh, he went before that. He was picked 74. So he actually went before um, Malik Willis and Matt Corral. Ritter went to the Atlanta Falcons, which is going to be interesting because Marcus Mariota is there. And now the head coach, Arthur Smith, they were together, him and Mariota, in Tennessee. But Mariota has not, you know, lit the world on fire since he's been mm-hmm. in the league. So, And, and Desmond, I, I, I kind of cringe when they say it. And I get it. You're young. You're, you're energetic. You have a lot. And he said, you know, I'm not leaving Atlanta without a Super Bowl, you know. And it's like, dude, just, you know, just, just enjoy the draft. Enjoy your pick. You know, let's let's ease up on the bold statements that are coming out. You know, just something I just don't think has to be done. But I, as as my son has pointed out, with the younger generation, they have no problem kind of putting things out there. Oh, that's absolutely true. We'll we'll just say whatever we want because there's no limit to how much we can say and where we can say it with social media now. Like you can just say anything now. I felt very indignant watching so many Cincinnati players get drafted, by the way, because Notre Dame having lost to them last year and and being told that like, well, maybe Cincinnati wasn't that good after all. And then they made the playoff. I was like, well, look at all this NFL talent. Isn't that interesting? But that's just my own. Uh, Domer rant, so we can move on. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you, though. And we're going to talk in a bit to Mike Tannenbaum. Mike Tannenbaum was a GM in the NFL for years, and he was my teammate, again, at, at ESPN. So I really kind of not so much breaking down the draft. We can do some of that. But just the thought process in the war room, because what are you going to hear today? Every team got every guy that they wanted. Oh, yeah. You know, how true is that or how much bullshit is that? You know, that's what I one of the things I want to find out from Tannenbaum. When you're going through the draft, all of a sudden your guy's not there and your next guy's not there. What's going on in there? So we'll talk to him uh, in a little bit. I, what, Jess, I'll tell you what, I, I have, I'm always asked when there's big events, should they only be in certain spots? And I'm, I'm one of those like, yes, I know they'll move around, 
But because I always think of it from my standpoint, how does it work for me? <laughs> you know, oh, how does course. it affect I, I, my job, right? Like my, my NFL draft recap so far has been the Steelers and Notre Dame. Like I yeah. am 100% about me all the time. So when I would go cover a draft or NBA finals or a big event, it was always about where was my the, the set for our show and how easy was it to get there. So that's how I look at everything. And one of the best places had been New Orleans because you walked everywhere. You know, you didn't have to get in a car and drive and get caught in traffic anywhere. So I liked that place uh, an awful lot. Let me tell you, I had never been to Vegas for a function like this. Phenomenal. Just, it's fantastic. Now, as long as you're staying in the area where everything was, luckily I was. I was at Caesars and everything was in that area. They have this area called the Link Promenade and it's a long street not like a driving street. It's like it's like um, bourbon. It's like a street in Bourbon Street, hmm. you know, where where everybody walks and has a drink in their hand. There's bars and restaurants all along that way on the way to where the draft was. It was fantastic. There was there were so many people there, but everybody was cool. Cops were out and everybody was pretty respectful. But there was a place for everybody, and I thought, man, this is really great. So I, I'm I'm thumbs up for big events in Vegas because. A, they have the area, you know, with, with, the, with the strip and the casinos, but they have the areas to handle all the people. It was, it was great. I'm, a, I'm for big events in warm cities, and I'm against yeah. big events in cold cities. No offense to Cleveland, Mike, but, like, we should not be having an April event in Cleveland. We should not be having a Super Bowl in Minnesota. New Orleans is fine. Miami is great. Las Vegas is great. LA, Phoenix, wherever you want to do it, as long as it's warm out. And I bet everyone will have a great time because you can just stand outside with your beer and watch whatever, you know, NFL draft or game or F1 race, whatever it is, and have a good time. Yeah, it's it's all about how long it may take you to get to where you are. Because I'm with you about warm weather. Because when the, when the Super Bowl is in Minnesota, give me it a break. It was miserable. No, it was horrible. No, no, thank you at all. Not one bit and when it was in new york years ago that wasn't domed in the meadowlands so yeah. you had and to they got lucky they, they, they were very lucky that it didn't got, because the next day. week it snowed the next <laughs> week there it snowed but then you go to a place like dallas when i did a show there all week and they had a the snowstorm or atlanta oh, yeah. when they had the ice storm but i'm not dallas gonna lie jess cold, yeah. jess i'm gonna tell you there are some warm places that should never, ever, 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 ever have a big event. And I hate to say it, but it's where you live right now, Miami. Really? It's awful. Miami is awful for a big event. You can't go two miles. You might, you, you should walk it. Because if you get in an Uber, it's going to take you an hour. And That's listen, fair. I get it. Everybody comes to town. I understand that. But it is horrific. No, to it's move bad. Around. The it's... infrastructure here on a normal weekend is awful. Oh. When there's people in town, please. The the two of the worst, we, I, I would say three of the worst weekends since I moved to Miami. The first one, Art Basel. There were so many cars out on the streets, like this big international art festival. The second one, spring break, like the week of St. Patrick's Day. So many people outside, so many cars, so much traffic. The third one, the International Boat Festival. Mike, oh. it took me hours to get across the bridge one just for one trip across the freaking miami beach bridge yep, it yep. took me hours to get across this bridge it's like a three mile bridge i was i mean not even three miles it, it's a it's not that far okay it shouldn't have taken me an hour it's usually a five minute ride it was horrible it took me forever it, to get across the bridge i i don't want miami freaking involved at all the, the only um good thing that happened was the fact that my show was so early in the morning 
you know, it starts at six. We had our set on the beach the last time the Super Bowl was there. And I had to be there at like five. So it wasn't like it was real traffic at five in the morning. But God, when it was over, holy smokes, getting anywhere, just brutal. So uh, I know so my for- Formula po- One race will be fun this weekend. Then We, we are going to talk <laughs> about the Formula One race because that's going to be right in your backyard. I, I really look forward to that. But uh, like I said, we're going to have Mike Tannenbaum here in, in a few. But I, I liked Vegas for it. Um, I thought the setup was great. And, and, I, and I wonder, as I hear more and more about the ratings, if it is going to be a, about the quarterbacks. Because next year, you have C.J. Stroud from Ohio State and you have Bryce Young from Alabama. Those are probably going to be the two names you hear all year for maybe a one and two. So there's going to be kind of that sexy quarterback battle of who's it going to be. And we're going to get back to watching how a guy throws a ball in shorts and a T-shirt and ooh and ah over it. But I wonder how much of a difference that's going to make. And as I mentioned, we're joined now by Mike Tannenbaum, who's been an exec in the NFL for many, many years, my former teammate at ESPN as well. Mike, appreciate you joining us. We really do. Always good to be with you, Mike. Great to see you. And so, so Jess and I, you know, we were breaking down the draft a little bit of what we saw. I was we were there. I remember I saw you in Vegas. First off, we were just talking, Jess and I, about places to have big events. And I had never been to Vegas for a big event. I thought it was really good. That place where we saw each other, where we were walking that link promenade, what a great area. It kind of reminded me of one street on Bourbon Street where everybody could just hang out before you got to the, the draft. Uh, you know, maybe it's like coming out of COVID. I, I don't know what it is, guys, but like I, I couldn't believe how many people were there. And I think my wife told me she read that this was the biggest event in the history of Las Vegas, which is just astounding to me. Yeah, I'm stunned by that as well with all that goes on in Vegas. And it was also the first time the draft went on the West Coast time zone. So it was, uh, you know, still light out for some of the some of the picks there. So, you know, as I said, Jess and I were kind of breaking down the draft, but I wanted to look at it from inside the war room because the day after the draft is always a day. Uh, and, and I want to get how you did this, but we always hear every team got the perfect guy, got exactly who they wanted. And I mean, that can't be true. So take us back in the day in those rooms and then let's start after the draft. Are you sitting there saying, yeah, we got everybody we wanted? Yeah, I mean, that's such a great point. Like you sit there and you hope it goes one way and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, the best coaches, candidly, guys, I've been around are the ones that are problem solvers and we'll take whatever they have and athletically, whatever they could do best, put them in a position to be successful. And really, like, working for Coach Belichick, like, hearing his, like, in the meetings, like, the projection, what can he do? Like, he drafts a safety, like a Patrick Chung. He could play Bantam the man in, in slot. Like, that report will translate onto the field. And um, Coach Parcells very much the same way. So it's really like a system and a process. But, yeah, Mike, you could have your heart broken. But you got to walk out and say, man, like, that's the guy we wanted. And we're going to do everything we can to make him successful. Is there, a, uh, is there a draft you can remember where and, and where you didn't let on, but where I can't think of another way to put it, that your heart just sank when a pick happened and you were just like, oh, shit, <laughs> we're, we're in trouble here? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, one of my last drafts at the Jets where there was a couple of guys we were looking at. We thought for sure we were in a good position. And candidly, I don't think I did a good enough job of like rebounding when it didn't work out. Ron Wolf, Hall of Fame GM, actually wrote that in his book, The Packer Way. He said the worst pick was he drafted a guy named John Michaels, who was an offensive lineman from USC. 
and that was a mistake. And it was based on the fact that he thought he was going to get another player. And when it didn't work out, he felt like he wasn't prepared for that alternative, which was super interesting. Um, when you're like after the draft is over, when you're a part of like a, a, a war room for a draft and you see media members start giving draft grades, right? Like immediately after the next day and you have access to all of your scouting materials and interviews and, and things that you've seen and they don't. What is your general <laughs> reaction to that? Have you ever seen any that have been accurate or fair or do you just hate all of it? Well, except when it's good, then I, you know, sure. <laughs> so. You know, it's a great question. You know, it's one of those things where you try, you always say, oh, I never look at that. And everyone looks at it every year. And, you know, or like, you know, the Mel Kuypers of the world, like they started like these draft grades. And I mean, it's really like, if you think about how dumb that really is from a standpoint of like the draft just happened and you really don't know for three years. And what's remarkable is like, you know, we're taping this right after the draft. Like take like, you know, Devin Bush of um, Pittsburgh, they decided Right. I think he's a really good player. He's been hurt. Um, you look at the Raiders, they had three first round picks. None of them had their exercise option. You know, Abram's a good player. You know, Jonathan, uh, Josh Jacobs, you know, Farrell certainly hasn't worked out. But point being is like, here we are three years later and there's still massive question marks. So how in the world are we going to know what they're, they're like 24 hours after the draft? I, I'm always interested and this is this is the process. You have the process of a college football season that you watch, it could be a few years of tape to watch. And then from basically January to the draft, all these guys are doing are wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And how the evaluation sometimes change. Can you kind of take us through that process of what you get on a player when their actual football season ends and how it changes and why it changes when they're only in shorts and a t-shirt? So um, one of the guys I really looked up to for years was a guy named Charlie Casserly who was a longtime GM, and I, I asked him quite a bit about this, and, and he actually told me that um, when he would study it over like a 20-year period, that the most accurate grade was the grade that happened at the end of the season, so call it like December 1st. And then you go through like, you know, the Senior Bowl and the East-West game, and then you get to the Combine, and then you have pro days, and you have visits, and all that late information, typically, not all the time, but it is not as accurate as the pure football grade and what they do on the field in the role that you're drafting them to do that is where you're going to get and it sounds so simple but we have a tendency to complicate things we also have a tendency to value information that comes in late when we we probably shouldn't uh go back to like where we are in the fall and i'll tell you guys a great story going back to 2016 i'm in the draft with the dolphins we have a good left tackle brandon albert number one guy on our board is Laramie Tunsil. And we're thinking there's no way Laramie Tunsil is going to be there. Tennessee had the first pick. They'll take him. And he was found doing something on videotape, right. spooked a lot of teams. He fell 13 and we fell back on our reports from like September. Like he was great with his mom, great teammate, uh, academic support. People liked him. Trainers liked him. And we're like, well, if we believe in our process, here's a good person made a mistake. Like this is a great opportunity for us. Is there, as far as quarterbacks, because that's always like the, the, the thing we zone in on, when we get to a quarterback pro day, outside of being able to see him do stuff at the chalkboard or go over film with you or do stuff like that, strictly on the field, can you really learn after seeing football tape on him, can you really tell anything more just on the field of a pro day? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things you can look for. I think 
it's even more like defensively, like from a standpoint, Mike, like, and I've worked, I've worked for a lot of those guys where like me and Gene Belichick ourselves, like they want those three, four guys that stand up. You want to see if they can move. So like movement skills, you, you want to see things you can't see on tape. Other things you want to look at, I remember like with Mark Sanchez, when we got to his uh, workout, there was like 25 people there, like high school kids, college kids, like former pros. And some people just have like leadership and, and Mark had that. So you want to see things that you can't see on tape. I want to, I want to ask this one for Jess, uh, Kenny Pickett, the only first round quarterback, and he goes from Pitt to Pittsburgh and is, is what, what are your thoughts first on him as a quarterback and what that competition may be like with Mitch Trubisky? Yeah. So I see him a lot like guys I've had like with Chad Pennington. I think he's like Matt Schaub. I've seen the Andy Dalton comparison, you know, four year starter, 42 touchdowns, seven interceptions this year, better athleticism in my opinion than what I think people thought. And I wouldn't be shocked if he beat out Trubisky. Now I think Trubisky benefited a lot by, you know, sitting for a year in Buffalo. But my opinion is like, I think that was a really good pick. And, um, you know, this is a team that we actually counted guys. There was like, 244 missed games last year from the Steeler defense. And then when you add to that Pickens that they drafted from uh, Georgia, Georgia. Up yeah. an injury, and then also Najee Harris, like, but for the division they're in, I think they have a chance to be pretty good. Hmm. I like to hear that. <laughs> we got a Steeler Domer here. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when you see something like what happened with uh, Kurt, or sorry, Cole Strange in the first round, the Patriots picking a guard from UT Chattanooga, you see Belichick picking him in the first round, someone who the Rams said they projected to go in like the hundreds. Do you chalk that up as just Belichick being Belichick or, or does he know something there? And is he is he not actually reaching for someone who should go later? You know, Jessica, you know what's interesting to me was uh, they traded away at 21. I thought they were going to take Trent McDuffie. You know, yep. they lost Stephon Gilmore. They lost J.C. Jackson. I thought McDuffie was like a scheme, versatile guy, like could play man-to-man, could play zone. I was shocked that they traded back because I thought they really needed a core. So I think Cole Strange will be okay. I know a lot of people may have that pick. Yeah, maybe they took him a little bit too high. But I thought, like – you know, when they lost to the Bills guys, they never punted. Like, I think that New England defense, to me, it's not the same. I, I was stunned as well that they didn't take McDuffie. I thought for sure they were going to do that. Um, again, Strange may, may do fine. They lose Shaq Mason. They need a guard. So let's see what he can step there and do, do. But that doesn't help the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Mike, as far as war room things that go on, it, it, it's got to be, is there a clear delineation in, in the war rooms of who's making the final decision and how how tense can it get in there between people? Yeah, no, it does. And, you know, I've been in a couple of situations where at the Jets I had final say on everything. At the Dolphins, we, the final say would actually went to the head coach. Our GM what, ran the draft and went, the way we had it set up, we still had our head coach kind of like we all could – it was a little bit more complicated, which in hindsight was actually, I think, something we could have streamlined better where our head coach had final say. But I would say this, regardless of who has final say, and you can even read like Peter King's article today about the relationship between like Eric Acosta and John Harbaugh, because it's clear that Acosta probably has final say, but he's not going to take a player unless there's like a real vision. So they're in the fourth round and they already take this guy, Charlie Kolar. 
right now, the best guy on their boards, Isaiah Likely. And Peter King does a really good job of explaining this, which is the vision that their uh, offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, had was the reason they took the player. And that's really it. it if you're in a situation where it's who's going to scream loudest, you're not going to get the best result. Now, there, there are certainly arguments and, you know, people are very passionate because it's obviously an important decision. But I want, like, all those debates to happen beforehand. So when we walk in there, it's like a seamless thing. Now, it's really funny, like, going back to the Tunsil thing, you know, I'm sitting there, it's Chris Spears, our GM, Adam Case, Steve Ross, myself. And, you know, we did have some, you know, very, like, um, candid conversations about, like, you know, if we pick this guy, this is going to be a national story, you know, Adam was sort of like the golden boy, Peyton Manning's guy, you know, comes in with all this like pop circumstance. And now all of a sudden like, Hey, you know, like this is going to like not go great. And, you know, we feel like this is the right decision. And that's one of those things, like, again, like whatever position I've always had, I always said like, I'm like the point guard. I want to look at the head coach. I want to look at the owner and make sure we're all on the same page. It's ironic now because the Tunsil pick has led to like several other great moves by the Dolphins and then uh, including the Tyreek Hill trade that happened this year and weed is legal in most states and <laughs> NFL doesn't even test for it anymore. I, I don't yeah, think. yeah we, we, we've come a long way, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, that, that had to be something when you made that pick knowing full well you had to walk out into a presser and then discuss all of that. I'm not going, you go. No, you got to go out there and yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah, you go, yeah, right, right. That's yeah. going to be a hard one to explain to kids in like 20 years. Like back in the day when no one talked about marijuana and it was super illegal for a football player to smoke weed, this yeah. crazy thing happened on social media. Uh, yeah, And you couldn't bet either. Yeah. No, exactly. And now we have the draft, a team in Vegas and the draft in Vegas. And how many years ago, Tony Romo couldn't do a fantasy draft in Vegas because uh, <laughs> right. the league didn't allow it. It's just amazing where we've come. So I, I'm, I'm still so fascinated about the, the war room. So if you have a pick in mind and that guy is gone, how many down the line do you have of players that, okay, if that guy's gone, that guy's gone. How many deep are you that you just go to the next guy? Yeah, you want to go. You want to go five deep. You you really have to like. You have to sit like we're going to take them in this order. And again, like Mike, what we want to do is like we have the offense coordinator there or the defense coordinator there. Like, so hey, if we're going to take Mike Golick, like what does he do well? How's he going to get to the game? What's the vision? Who's he competing with? If we're taking you know an offensive player, like same thing. And again, I thought the article today, the way Peter King described that that moment with Greg Roman and taking this other tight end was like a great example of that. You know, you look at, so you look at this draft and it's like any Jet fan that I know, they, they don't want you to say it was a good draft because they always feel like, you know, they're, they're snake bitten. But I mean, they had a really good draft. When you look at their draft, I mean, it's like you got to believe they hit something right here and could eventually dig themselves out of the hole that they're in, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I still, I couldn't believe like where they've been in last place, five of the last six years. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Um, they got four really good players. Um, I think this kind of transition into this feel-good honeymoon of a new head coach, rookie Zach Wilson. Like, you got good players. Go like, like they should. They should show meaningful progress this year. Has there ever been a moment where you've come close to just like throwing a dart at a dartboard with names on it to to make a tiebreaker decision between two players? when you get later into the draft, like coach Parcells taught me, so like you want to draft like attributes and like you, you're, you're sitting there in the fifth, sixth round and you're saying in the back of your mind, like, this is obviously an important decision, but at the end of the day, neither one of these guys, it's not franchise changing. And like, 
you surely want to have a collaborative effort. So you want other people to feel like, well, who do you like and why? And, you know, um, and in the back of your mind, you're like, if either guy makes it, we'd be doing backflips. Yeah. Except if it's Tom, <laughs> except if it's Tom Brady in the sixth round, I guess. Yeah. With the 199th pick. Yeah. Jeez. Oh man. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, so what is what we're in a what have you done for me lately or when we're, we're in that I should say more the microwave society of we want it to happen now what's fair and I know fair doesn't always matter as far as how long a guy should have to prove what he can do in the NFL like that's so interesting because I was with Pennington he sat for two years and if Chad Pennington was on this call, he would tell you that he benefited by sitting um, you know, now with these quarterbacks, it's, you know, but now I think Malik Willis sitting in Tennessee, Ritter sitting in Atlanta, like presumably it sits a little bit in Pittsburgh. Like, I think that's going to help them. Um, I think that's one of the things that's really important for this quarterback development is managing expectations. Do, do we think, that, you know, the ratings from the TV side of this were lower than, than they've been? Do you think it was because we didn't have the sexy quarterback conversation? I think, I think it's what you said earlier. I think it was the time zone difference. And I think it was the quarterbacks. You know, I think, let's face it, like Jacksonville and Trayvon Walker, that's pretty much like the least compelling storyline possible. Now you hurt my feelings. The first five picks were defensive players. I thought it was a great draft getting defensive players. Oh, Mike, we do appreciate the time very much, man. I mean, the draft is always fun. I would love to go to Vegas again and do it. Do you have. I, I'm sure you had to pick who, who do who do you think had the best draft? Yeah. You know, outside of the Jets, I'll tell you, I thought Detroit, cause I thought they got of the three best players in the draft. In my opinion, they got two of them. They got Aiden Hutchinson. Like my three best players were just as football players, Hutchinson, sauce Gardner and Jamison Williams went healthy. And I love when they went up from 32 to 12. And I think they got the next Tyreek Hill if he's healthy. Oh, I love him. What a great route runner. I think he's fantastic. And Aiden Hutchinson and Dan Campbell are going to headbutt before every practice. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty fun to watch. Mike, uh, always enjoyed having you on when we were together at ESPN and, uh, and, and certainly appreciate the time now as well. Yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me, guys. Big fan of you. And uh, yeah, keep, keep it rolling. I always enjoyed having uh, Mike Tannenbaum on when was doing a show at ESPN. We, we used to do the napkin thing, Jess. We used to ask him questions and and he would have the answers written down on napkins and, and hold them up. It was a really a weird thing, but it was kind of our <laughs> thing. It was kind of, kind of fun to do, but I, I'm always so interested in the war room. Plus the war rooms, when they were showing them this year, there must've been 20 people in, in each of them. I mean, mm. like put, put three people in there. I mean, what are we doing with all these people and these hanger honors in there? Yeah. My, my favorite thing was during uh COVID when Jerry Jones was just doing the draft from his mega yacht and you yeah. could just see his boat in the background. And then this year, the Cowboys draft room looked like it, literally the death star. Like my, my boyfriend and I were watching it and we were like, they could not have made their war room look more evil. It was like all black. It was just like terrifying. Everyone else is in like an office. And Jerry Jones and the Cowboys are in like this this kind of like creepy ominous room. It was, and it, I think like like Mike said, I think a lot of people maybe were just happy to be back because remember in COVID, remember the the commissioner Roger Goodell was making picks from his basement. From remember a leather had, chair, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury with that great shot of his house in Arizona where he was doing yeah. stuff. I mean, but now I mean everybody in the world is back. But that's Bill Belichick's that's, dog. Bill Belichick's dog. Oh, Nike, yeah. He can't even blame the dog for drafting. Uh, I keep call, I keep saying Cole, his name. Cole, Cole Strange. Strange. Yeah, yeah Cole yeah. Strange. That was definitely, and there's always a pick in the first round. I want to I want to move on uh, to something you're going to be 
uh, hopefully very involved in. But there's always that one pick, and and that that was it uh, for the first round. Always that one pick in the first round, and it was it was Cole Strange again. Uh, and I keep from, I keep saying Curtis Strange because he's like a seventy year old golfer. Golfer, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cole Strange is a very physical <laughs> offensive guard. I know who he is. I mean, but what was interesting is they showed because you mentioned it the live. Um, view of Les Snead and um, Sean McVay. They were doing a presser when that pick was made, and they kind of laughed. And, I mean, the last thing you heard Sean McVay say, we had him in the hundreds or something like that. And here he goes, 29 in the draft. You know, and knowing Belichick, he'll be, you know, a 10-year starter and a four-time Pro Bowler. Though though some of their drafts haven't gone too well. We, we can't say that. Uh, I, I guess maybe I shouldn't say that too quickly about Bill. Some of those drafts uh, have, have struggled a bit. But uh, another one is in the books. And as I say, another new batch of millionaires uh, is out there. And speaking of new batch of millionaires, you're going to have not only millionaires, but billionaires by you <laughs> in Miami. F1, the F1 series is coming to Miami You've been into F1. I am just getting into F1 more and more, really fascinated by it, uh, by the teams and, and the, the expense and the money and the driving and the tracks. And it's going to be in Miami. So are you set to have the F1 world crash down on you? I'm not. I'm not ready for it. I'm scared, Mike. So I, I have a media credential. So that's the good news. I don't know where it allows me to go, but I ah. will be there in some capacity covering the race. I've never been to an F- F1 race before. I know that the engines are so loud that you have to bring like little like earplugs because I went to this like Formula One Red Bull event a few months ago, which is actually where I got this Miami Grand Prix shirt that I'm wearing nice. right now. Nice. There you go. Uh, for free. Hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, they were like building a car in a garage and like showing like the people who came, like how they do all of it. And they gave us all earplugs and I put my earplugs in and then they started the engine. And I thought that I had completely lost my hearing for like five seconds because it was so loud. It was crazy. So um, imagining that like times 20 in a ra- on a racetrack is just terrifying. Is it, is it a high, high pitch sound? It's, it's not high pitch. It's, no, it, like it, like you feel your rib cage rattle when it, like it's so loud. I, I can't even describe it. It's like unlike anything I've ever heard. So, I'm a little scared. I'm a little excited. I'm a little confused about like the logistics because, like you mentioned, getting around Miami on a good day is is tough, and getting around Miami during like an international motorsport event is probably going to be um, close to impossible. But I'm really excited for it. Uh, I'll scope it out for you because next year. Obviously, you and Ben and I are going to be back. Yeah. We're going to figure it out. But it is one of the most expensive sporting events to take place uh, in Miami, like, ever. It's The price of the tickets are crazy. So what I don't know, is it a, is it a road track out there or a track? It's, well, it's technically, they're calling it a street circuit, but it's not really on a street. They built, the, they constructed the track, like, as part of the Hard Rock stadiums like parking lot area okay. so i don't know if you were at the hard rock for the super bowl yeah, but it's yeah. a big outdoor stadium yep. they have a, a world-class tennis facility there and so they built this track around and through the parking lot and around the stadium and and you but you have no idea where your media credential is going to get you. absolutely not like if i'm in the vicinity and i can see it like i'll be happy but i have no idea what else I have trouble seeing at times when they're showing the race are where all the people are seated. Like, how many people are they expecting for this? Hundreds of thousands. I, really? I can't remember how many people were in Austin, but I think they expect more than 
the last Austin race, which set a bunch of records in the United States for, for attendance. Um, but yeah, and also like, I, I've never been to a race, so I don't really know what it's like, but I assume that if you're in the grandstand and you're a fan, you just see blurs of color go by you every like, you know, couple minutes and that's it. I, 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 that's so fast. I don't know what to expect. God, I can't wait until when we do our pod next week and you break that down a little bit. I'm really excited about that. On DraftKings Sportsbook, the uh, Verstappen is plus 100. He's a favorite. Leclerc is plus 120. You knew it's going to be the both of them. Lewis Hamilton plus 4,000. I mean, this Mercedes group. And again, you know, we're not talking about Lewis because, again, the Mercedes, the guy running the whole show. What's his name again? Toto Wolf. To- Toto? Like Toto, Toto the dog yeah, in, in okay. exactly okay I mean he says the cars aren't worthy of of Lewis Hamilton that's pretty cool to say Re- reportedly Sir Lewis Hamilton reportedly the car gave uh, George Russell lower back pain because it was shaking so hard in the last race well yeah so. they said yeah they said on the straightaways bouncing up and down wait a minute he is Sir Lewis Hamilton he was knighted yeah he was knighted like after the most recent F1 season so who knighted him do you know. Queen, I think Queen Elizabeth. See, I. how great would it be to be knighted? I hope, when did you get to keep <laughs> the sword that they used to tap I you on the shoulder? I don't think they get to keep the sword. Wow, that is awesome. All right, well, <laughs> not shocking who's ranked one and two here. Also, as far as uh, the teams, Ferrari is plus 150, Red Bull plus 150, Mercedes plus 2200. Are they ever, ever going to get back up there again? Wow. We'll see what happens with their car after after the rest of the ha- halfway point yeah. of the first half of the season. Well, I'm excited for you. I, I, I look forward to watching the race, but I'm very excited for you. Thank so you. we have I'm that as far as myself. basketball is concerned. You know, we're, we're starting the second round of the NBA playoffs. A couple of good games already. You had Milwaukee pretty much dusted Boston mm-hmm. uh, in, in game one there. Golden State pulled out a one-point win. At oh, my Met- God. That the ending, Mike. Unreal. I mean, yeah, Draymond Green, not shockingly, gets a flagrant two and gets <laughs> tossed and then goes back to his hotel and does an emergency podcast right away about it. I love you got to love that guy. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you got Clay Thompson hit the, the, the dagger three with about 30 some seconds ago and John Morant trying that kind of that scooping uh, left handed layup for the win that doesn't go. What a game. And that's one Memphis needed too. Yeah. I thought when, when John Morant had the ball and was like driving up with like two seconds to go, I thought that they were going to win. And watching that bounce out of the basket was just, ooh, I felt, I felt very, very bad for him. I just like, you watch him like lean back on the, um, like on the, the basket, like the right. post. I don't know what yep. you call that. Like the, on the stanchion, the stanchion. Yeah, the stan, oh. whatever, stanchion. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, man, he probably wishes he had that back immediately. Oh, oh, but boy, well, you get seven games like that. That was 117-116 game. What a game that was. Uh, other matchups, uh, Eastern Conference, Philly at Miami, but Joel Embiid's got the fracture orbital and, and the mild Kyle concussion. Lowry's out, too. Yeah, exactly. You got Dallas at Phoenix. Phoenix struggled probably more than they should have. Uh, but they did get Devin Booker back. So we'll we'll see how that goes. And the WNBA is getting ready to start up uh, their season. And the place I was just in has the favorite, the Las Vegas yes. Aces, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, plus 350. So yes. uh, they, they consider the top team. So that's getting ready to get going. Yeah, and they have a brand-new head coach this year, Becky Hammond, who left the Spurs to coach in the W. So that's pretty cool. So, yeah, plus 350, like you said. Yeah, I think – and I still think Becky Hammond, if there's going to be – a woman head coach in the NBA that Becky Hammond is going to be that 
person, unless you think there might be somebody else. But I, to me, that, that's who I think it could be. Happy to have her in the W, though. It's going to be yeah, it's yeah. going to be a fun season. It's it is one of the most competitive professional sports leagues. Like I, I don't know if you saw it today, the Aces just had to cut two of their first round draft picks because they don't have enough roster spots for these for these women that were first round picks in the draft that was like a month ago because there's there's not that many teams, so it's super super hard to get on a roster in the WNBA, and it's going to be really competitive. And and this year, I think. It seems like it's going to be another record-breaking year because I've seen more people covering it than I've ever seen cover the league in, right. in my whole life. So it's pretty cool. One other thing going on this weekend that uh, is also a party, and I, and I wonder if you've ever been to it, the Kentucky Derby. Now, I've done shows there, uh, yes, the but I've never, I've never stayed for the race. I remember, though, not when I was there, but later on there would be groups of Notre Dame people that would take a trip to yeah, the Kentucky Derby. I did that. And, and, oh, you did it. Were you in the infield where all the partying went on? So tell me yeah. about that, if you can the, remember it. The infield was a shit show, Mike. It was yeah. It was one of those places, like, the weather was, it went from cold to thunderstorm to, like, 95 degrees and humid in the span oh. of, like, five hours that day. Um, and, yeah, the bus ride from South Bend to the Kentucky Derby in Louisville is not as close as they pretend it is. So, it was uh it was interesting. I, I don't know if I would do it again in the infield. I think I'll go back if I ever win the win the lottery and sit in a box with like Julian Edelman and Tom Brady, but not not sure if I'll do the infield again. It was it was a aggressive uh partying place for college students and as a, a Notre Dame uh student, you know, there's you're not used to that sort of atmosphere. It does seem <laughs> it does seem like there's the separation that the infield is for Hey, I don't really give a shit about the race. I'm just here to party. I didn't see a party. single horse, Mike. You I didn't. did not see a single horse. My my shoes broke. We were like walking home barefoot. It was just ridiculous. Oh my god, that does sound like a shit show. It was, yeah. Oh well, but it was I, fun. It was. Fun. Hey, I, I I like watching it on TV. Actually, watching it on TV is a lot more fun. And I, I I like watching it in a sports book. That's just me though. So <laughs> <laughs> so all right. So neither one of us going to the Kentucky Derby, but uh, a hell of a maybe lot else day. going on. Yeah, maybe maybe one day. So. Uh, again, the big the big event this weekend was past weekend, the draft. So uh, our congratulations to the next batch of millionaires. Hopefully we can befriend one. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. 467-369 in New York. Visit OPGR.org in Oregon. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 plus only. 18 plus in New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. No results guaranteed. Void were prohibited. Eligibility restrictions apply. See www.draftkings.com sportsbook for full details. Odds and lines are subject to change.